0: This is the last Mohican podcast I'm joined tonight by EJ Kuyper hello welcome out there. welcome EJ thanks for having me it is a pleasure Mr. It's Mohican a, it's an honor so I just saw your recent post some high level dog training
1: that was very impressive very disciplined dog yeah I try uh, I try it takes uh, she's four years old been uh working with her since she was one since she came to live with us and uh yeah, she's, you may or may not really know. Well. May or may not know. I have some
0: some serious puppy fever right now. I'm really looking forward to uh, some new dogs in my life. I had dogs throughout my childhood, and um, I think I just had a breakthrough in what will be one of the coolest tricks that you can teach dogs. So let's say you have um, relatively large sized dogs. You can assume that they're gonna have like a big bark, right? So if you can train your dogs. To bark aggressively on command, and then also hush on command. How cool would that be?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's like more police work, working dog. I'm thinking that's stuff. gonna be a really, really cool trick to teach my my future dogs. I'm not too much into that. That's require. That's a whole, totally different world. I'm just doing. That's ba- what I do with my dog is just, you know, basic obedience: sit, wait, fetch.
0: Next level stuff, though. She, yeah, she's definitely... Treat on visiting. the nose,
1: that's the, that's like the next that step there. I, I remember
0: <laughs> seeing uh, like the action movie and uh, animal actor type dogs
1: do stuff like that, like on a
0: dog treat commercial or, or something like that.
1: Yeah, it all builds on each other because you have to teach them to wait first. You know, that's, that's pretty much the uh, basis for most commands. Wait is very important. Yeah, once you get them to do that, it's, other things kind of start coming easier.
0: So, for the listeners to understand our little bit of history, I don't know if this is going to kill your street cred. I wonder sometimes if it does for me, too. We went to Catholic school together. Oh, God. Hopefully that's not going to mess up your reputation too bad in the streets. Oh, man. And um, I have always seen you as a highly charismatic Very intelligent, gentlemanly dude. (laughs) Thank you. And um, you were one of the first people who came to mind when I was thinking about guest speakers for this show. So um, since since we haven't really spent much time since then, catch us up, catch the listeners up a little
1: bit on your life. Let's get a little bit of background if you don't mind. Well, uh, you covered up until, what, I was about 18, went to Catholic school. Um, after that, I studied writing and religion at Temple University. Very cool. And, um, since graduating from there, a few years ago, I've been working all kinds of odd jobs and traveling and writing. You know, just kind of finding my spot in this crazy world we
0: live in. That's really awesome, man. So let's touch on college for a minute. Temple. That's very cool you went to Temple. Very cool that you studied religion. Yeah. What was it like to study religion? Do you Would you say that there was some uh, some biases in
1: your curriculum? Um, well, studying at a state university kind of got rid of the any biases that would exist because they're just not allowed to uh, be biased. When they're getting state dollars, you can't sit up there and say one religion is better than the other. So it was basically um, more of a history of religion than getting into any kind of theology or, you know, beliefs.
0: It was pretty expansive?
1: Yeah. World religions. All That's awesome. Things, yeah. Very cool. And Temple, uh, uh, sorry to cut you off, no. but Temple University, I believe, was the first secular religious studies program in the country. Wow. Yeah, and there's a one of the professors there, I don't know if he's still active, but I had him my freshman year, Leonard Swidler. He was one of the founders of the department there.
0: Were you drawn to study religion right off the bat? Because... Maybe it was just me, but I got a really bad taste in my mouth for definitely, at least for Catholicism, going to the school we went to. I was really getting force-fed so much. I'm surprised that you still had the
1: the interest. Well, yeah, like the uh, beliefs and theology for with Christianity, not gonna, without getting too much into that, that's mm-hmm. not really my thing. But, um, you know, just that the biblical era, the history behind it is very interesting it's a very vast uh and rich history and culture yeah
0: you can't you almost can't study yeah you almost can't study history without
1: studying religion exactly but it's overlooked because the modern uh scholar just brushes it aside as kind of superstition but there's you know a lot to a lot there a lot to be searched through absolutely and learned from and Did you have
0: a focus in mind studying writing as well, like journalism or? Yeah, I
1: double majored in English and religion. Wow. Took like creative writing classes mostly as an English major. The survey classes, it was like English class in high school, so I kind of just zoned out. But the creative writing classes I really got a lot from.
0: This is a very cool coincidence because I was just talking about Mrs. Bergamo. Uh, Do you remember her? Oh yeah. Plot Mountain. Well, I <laughs> I went to uh, an elementary school in West Hazleton, a Polish Catholic elementary school, and didn't really Trans? Yes. I really did I went to Transfiguration, yes. So I didn't have really any powerful impressions made on me by any of the teachers there. So the first strong impression made on me by an educator. A person who struck me as an educator, not just as like a teacher by trade, was by Mrs. Bergamo. And she was my literature teacher in seventh grade. And she absolutely was responsible for sparking my interest in literature. Before that, I had only read the Harry Potter books, and I gave up on the fourth. By the fourth, I was like, okay, this is lame. She put me onto some real
1: literature. That's a that's a cool there's always uh, one teacher and he had a lot of good teachers actually yes. uh you know Mr. George was a teacher like that for me he's no longer with us you know unfortunately but um he just taught us to think for ourselves he's the only teacher that you know sat there and said I want you to question what I'm saying if you have a if you think you have an argument and can present a good argument then by all means raise your hand and question me and that was the only teacher who ever did that but it's that's important cuz The point of education is to learn how to think. Absolutely. And to learn how to learn, I think. Yeah. Like,
0: there's there's a way to get through school by memorization and by...
1: Regurgitation. Yeah,
0: by recall of memorized info. Yeah. But actually committing knowledge to your permanent mind to your permanent memory, I think, is a really tricky thing. So he struck me as a true historian, too. Yeah. I never got taught by him, but he struck me as a true historian. He, he really felt strongly about See, history. And
1: there's a balance, though. You're right, because you have to know the facts, and you have to know the knowledge, the actual knowledge of the subject. But you also have to learn how to apply that critically and think about it critically. Oh, yeah, to interpret it for yourself. But knowing the, the subject is important. Like, the actual... You have to study. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's no way around it. You have to do the boring. That's part of education is the boring hours with your face in a book. But it's all how you apply what you learn.
0: So, the um, the strong impressions made by Mrs. Bergamo, Bergamo on me for literature sparked uh, my first my first introductory literary endeavors just like little fiction novels at first and it has snowballed but because I didn't make the most of my high school education I found myself thriving mostly as a Mm self-educator. Teaching myself I have come across so much that really not only validated uh long standing inclinations and beliefs that i've had but mm-hmm. blew out of the water certain misconceptions that i've had self education i think is so powerful i wonder if you've um you've heard of the bahai spiritual um kind of offshoot of Hinduism
1: mm-hmm. called Baha'i I, have you heard yeah, of that? I'm familiar it's it's kind of yeah I've done a little I've knew, known some people who are adherents uh, to that faith
0: so what what I was most impressed by in their spiritual doctrine is a coming of age a milestone called the independent investigation of truth
1: mm-hmm.
0: I can't imagine I something I'm more familiar. something more I can't imagine something more significant si- significant than that. For any individual
1: to... As I understand, just for people who aren't familiar, the Baha'i faith is almost like a a mix of all the different religions. It's not, you know, they kind of accept all beliefs, if I have it uh, correct, but they have their own kind of thing. But it's very inclusive. That's the whole point is to be inclusive if I yeah. understand it correctly.
0: Yeah. I'm not I'm not completely versed on it either. I I am not qualified to talk at length
1: about it but I could picture the tent, the Lotus Temple, I believe, is yeah. yeah. big temple. I could picture it in my and very interesting. And if you think of this as a sim- modern faith, yeah. it's a modern religion.
0: Symbolically the lotus I think is just a representation of uh,
1: acquiring knowledge. In, in Buddhism in East Asian uh, religion and philosophy is a very prominent symbol. Yeah. Because it rises from the murky water, from the mud, and blooms into a beautiful flower. So it's a symbol for, in Buddhism, for enlightenment, you know, from the darkness, from the murky water, into the up above, into the light. Yeah. Being able
0: to derive a divine beauty from worldly. Truth and information that can yeah, send the mud work. and the muck. And, yeah, yeah the stuff that can from. be somewhat not less not, yeah. than
1: divine. It's not the beautiful picturesque yeah. waterfall landscape. Yeah. It's the sediment kicked yeah. up from the bottom the, of the river. The, that's the earth. That yeah, the and earth. that's what that's what gives rise to the lotus.
0: Absolutely, very cool. So, the um, the concept that they have of adhering to a system of spiritual education. To a certain point, And then reaching an age where it is required for an individual to go out and investigate the truths of the world for themselves.
1: Almost like uh, the Amish do. Right. I forget what that's called. Right.
0: Absolutely. I think that's powerful stuff. And there's a lot of commonalities like that around the world. There are these common threads of action and belief that people arrive at completely ignorant to the other people doing the same thing
1: yeah whether it's um you know in in Judaism it's your bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah in c- Catholicism it's uh confirmation mm-hmm. you know every it's the rites of passage mm-hmm. almost it's just I guess they're just different in their execution of it but almost every faith has some sort of rite of passage like that becoming a, a man or an adult or a you're, part of the community or whatever.
0: You're right, but it seems like not every established religious belief system like that has an open door. Yeah, it's policy. it's supposed to be at your choice and yeah. all But it really and I think a that's lot of powerful.
1: Don't really emphasize that it's your choice. But yeah, it may it may be, be in the a, fine print. That's supposed to be the point yeah. that it's your choice, but that gets lost a lot. It, yeah, I didn't really have a choice. I was to be confirmed or not. I just got confirmed. I didn't have a choice to receive communion you know you're supposed you know you're supposed to theoretically but it's just how you're you're raised you know? yeah
0: i was pushed through until i decided to buck the system and stage events that would result in my
1: expulsion i was like oh you got expelled from hayfee yeah i, I, I don't I, remember that i staged my own well towards the towards when it was like closing uh or before the that. year before the year prior
0: so i was in uh the beginning of 10th grade i believe and I knew what it was going to take.
1: Yeah.
0: And I chose Mrs. Connolly as my as my host to to set up this disciplinary disaster, pretty much. So she was my religion or theology teacher. It was last period. I rode the bus. She made me sit in front of the class just based on what. Uh, bonehead, knucklehead kid I was. Makes sense. A teacher doesn't want to have to deal with more than they have to. But it was getting to a point where she was holding me there after class. And I was on the verge of missing my bus. And I was refusing to pray at the end of the class. And what brought the situation to a complete head was me making her believe I was a devil worshiper and walking out of class uh, well before the end and just heading home. So the next day, the principal, Mr. Melvin, I'm sure you remember Mr. Melvin, told me, hey, Steve, say whatever you want to say. Can't come back here after today. So go get all your stuff. And that was pretty much the plan. I had had enough of the um, the religious institutionalizing. It, it was enough for me to go through the whole high school and middle actually, school institution. Funny thing,
1: actually that I had Miss Connolly too. I actually liked Miss Connolly as a teacher because I would argue with her all the time. that's what kind of sparked my interest just in studying more about religion so I could, so I could have arguments with, with my religion teachers at Catholic school. I know what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah. I, you were able
0: to start it's really developing... Easy to,
1: it's really easy to argue against Catholic theology, though, know, so it's not, you know...
0: But you were <laughs> still getting the opportunity to develop your own informed opinions about this stuff based on... But sometimes she would say stuff, and i am like, I don't know what to... See. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you have me completely stumped. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was awesome, too. Yeah. It, just, it just so happened that she had to be the one. It had yeah. to be her. Yeah. And I guess that was a necessary step in my development spiritually, because I've come to a place of spiritual peace, spiritual uh, understanding. I wouldn't say I've achieved enlightenment, but I am on the path towards it. There is no one way to enlightenment, I don't think. And we all live within the confines of our own individual reality. So what is enlightenment for you could be seriously different than what I feel is my supreme enlightenment so who knows if I'm really on the path I feel like feel like I'm headed in a good direction spiritually would you say that you
1: adhere
0: to any established religious system
1: uh yeah I mean I'd call myself a Buddhist uh, d- definitely you know just but that doesn't because there's a there's really debates on whether there's actually something called Buddhism. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's not an overarching, um, really monolithic theology or philosophy associated with Buddhism. There's, it's basically different every locale, you know. But they all have these kind of common um, threads. Every different kind of Buddhism has a common thread in it of overcoming the self, overcome the ego, mm-hmm. um, and realizing that. We're we're part. We're all interconnected and depend on one another. Absolutely, and that's common to almost all forms of yeah. Buddhism. And uh, the most important thing, though, in most forms, also is meditation. It's focused on doing it. You know, the Buddha is not a savior. Buddha is not a god. He uh, was a meditation teacher, essentially, and mm-hmm. said, you know, this worked for me. It'll work for you if you do it. If you want to do it, fine. If you don't, then you could continue to suffer and that's what always attracted me to buddhism. I respect that. Mm-hmm. And I think there are and funny you should say you're walking the path because buddhism's called like the middle path. That's what I prefer to call it. That's I cool. I don't say buddha, you know, cuz it, it it's really contradict contradictory cuz you're not worshiping buddha and you're not really I mean he didn't invent the, these mm-hmm. things. He just taught people how mm-hmm. to do it, you know. He didn't yeah. invent enlightenment, he just found the path to it. Supposedly. I definitely
0: respect that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think um, the path, because it's not the same for everyone, there cannot be. Buddha did teach that. There cannot be a one way system like that. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a more inclusive understanding, even in following one of these established mm-hmm. frameworks of spirituality. I think a big debate should be I mean I'm not trying to start an argument about it but what people need to consider is the difference between religion and spirituality wouldn't you say dude there is a big difference there is
1: religion as there's like high religion you know there's yeah. quote unquote high or high mass you know there's ceremonies and churches and yeah. organized I don't think I don't I don't like to say Difference between spirituality and religion. There's organized religion, and then there's that uh, religious yearning. I think everyone feels. You don't think that's spiritual yearning? I think it's one. It's just sick calling the same thing. I feel wars.
0: like I feel like spirituality, in its essence, could never become an institution, whereas we see religion has become institutionalized mm-hmm. and it has become and once it becomes
1: institutionalized it doesn't matter how good the philosophy is like you know buddhism people think it's a very even buddhism's not immune from it you look at what's right. going on in uh, burma in myanmar right now that's yeah. a buddhist majority using you know the buddhist religion as a ways uh to persecute or, yeah to persecute to yeah. or as a as a way to mask uh, nationalism, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely, you know, we're the Buddhists; they're the we're the, this is a this is a Buddhist country, you know. Yeah, so absolutely. even Buddhism's not immune to that. Anytime
0: so. your religion leads to divisiveness, mm-hmm. it is. It's not really religion, it's promoting anymore. something yeah. toxic. I think the power of words, though, the power of the meaning behind these words. Words like religion, words like spirituality, words like politics, it needs to be considered. We need to collectively look at the definitions we're assigning to these words and think about whether or not it's time to update these definitions or reframe mm-hmm. our perception of these words. Because you can get
1: seriously trapped in That's the, the words people throw at Especially around. in Zen Buddhism. That's one of the main teachings is not to get caught up in words it's um, you know in Zen or in in the original shan Buddhism from from China before it went to Japan it was called Chan or still is in China rather but um the the one of the main concepts is to not get caught caught up on conceptions and words and forms because really they're just they're not reality itself. It's just a way of pointing to reality. They're constructs. Yeah, they're constructs to help understand reality and see. both instead of constructs, they become crutches and yeah. they confuse. You know, we confuse the symbols of reality for reality itself, and we can corrupt those symbols yeah. and those meanings and those constructs. So that's a not to keep going back to Buddhism, but not, that's another thing. It's not relying on scripture. It's about mm-hmm. personal experience. Mm-hmm. You either sit on the meditation mat or wherever. You either sit and meditate and experience it and uh, walk closer to enlightenment or you don't. You know, there's... Right. There's no in-between. There's no belief necessary. It either happens... If you do it right, it's going to happen. If you meditate the right way, it's going to work. It's guaranteed. Yeah. I think meditation is another
0: word that is misconstrued, When I say that, I mean
1: uh say when I say meditation I mean like traditional Zen meditation that you're sitting cross legged look staring at a wall. That's how I do it mm-hmm. and it works tremendously. I think there's As a for lot of twenty five hundred years, you
0: know? Yeah. I think there's a lot of different variations of meditation. Mm-hmm. Oh, and definitely. I definitely I'm not
1: I, close to I'm not saying my way's the best or right. it's just one of many. But. I
0: think the that the word itself though can confuse and mislead Mm -hmm. some people, because people don't realize that powerful moments of self-reflection are meditation. Mm -hmm. Anytime your mind travels to something other than your current status and what you're currently doing, the present moment, anytime your mind strays from that,
1: that can be viewed as meditation. That's the opposite of meditation. At least from the Buddhist uh, medit, from the Buddhist perspective, meditation is um, an intense keying in of reality. You're not trying. If you, the point is to stop, actually silence your thoughts, to stop your thoughts, so you could um, witness and realize reality without all the mental filters and without your subconscious um, interpreting it. You just. Exist. That's the whole point of meditation. Is within
0: focus. the moment, only? in the moment,
1: within, yeah, exactly. It's just every and is just living within the moment. You know, not to say a cliche, but that's a point of meditation. Not just on the mat; that extends to your entire life because it focuses on your breath. Your breath is always with you. Mm-hmm. So if you learn to focus on your breath and realize that's the uh, connecting force between the outside and the inside world. Yeah. Once you're onto that, um, you could apply that to any situation and try and keep that meditative state of mind throughout your whole life. That's the end goal. of Meditation is to carry it away from the meditation cushion and into the real world. It's very hard. <laughs> I can't say I do that Absolutely. all the time. You know, even if you meditate, you're still going to lose your temper. You're still going to have you know cravings and desires, but you know, it's, you're going to be aware of it. You're going to be aware of what's going on in your mind. So the Zen form
0: of meditation then is devoid of any astral
1: presence? Any kind of like metaphysical way. Now people get into that. They say, there's certain people that say if you meditate enough, you'll actually astral project just naturally. You'll gain some kind of superpowers. I don't, you know, I mean, who, who knows? I can't speak to that, but... I don't know if I really believe in that, but I know that Zen Buddhism will make you see reality more clear, and that's the only promise that I go on for. You Buddhism. may see this as a far-reaching dot to connect, mm-hmm.
0: but I was just talking to someone about the basis for Jedi's, mm-hmm. what the real, what it would really mean to be a Jedi, and what what I've arrived at is that it's not some kind of like superpower Mm -hmm. the force or what have you is not some kind of superpower a jedi would be a fully self-aware enlightened capable individual that does not make mistakes like every action every choice every movement you make would be full of purpose and devoid of, the apprehension or
1: confusion or fog that leads to making mistakes. I see a lot of like Taoism with the Jedi philosophy, you know, um, and certainly especially Zen Buddhism. Zen Buddhism was influenced by Taoism because when uh, Buddhism came from India to China, it. Um, over the years, of course, it was, um, influenced by the native religions in China, and one of those happened to be Taoism, and, uh, the kind of combination of Taoism and Indian Buddhism formed Shan Buddhism, and, um, was it? Oh, yeah, but anyway, so Taoism believes in a principle called Wu Wei, which is effortless effort, and we, which is kind of what you were alluding to, all their actions, you know, they're so well trained that they don't have to think about anything, they just exist. They don't think. They don't, you know, it's not it, it's just straightforward they just do, but all completely full of purpose and yeah, intention. Exactly. The the intention needs to
0: be there. The purpose yeah. needs to always be there. So, without um harping too much on spirituality for anyone uh who is yet to delve into that aspect of themselves. I say yet because Whether or not you recognize it, you do have a spiritual self. You just may not yet be self-realized. So keep that in mind, listeners. But one of the other common worldly threads that I've come across is learning the world through yourself. Mm -hmm. So there is a Greek engineer who studied under a Qigong meditation practitioner mm-hmm. and basically dynamo of Java, Indonesia. He's become extremely famous. The Greek's name is Costa Deneos. And I read two of his books about being under the tutelage of this Indonesian guy.
1: Is that the guy that
0: like lights shit on fire? Yes. Put... Okay, I yes. saw those videos. He has manifested some of what you would call superpowers as a result of Kigong meditation, which I think is different than your Zen meditation but he See, focuses now, on storing solar energy.
1: I'm naturally skeptical of anything like that, though. Yeah, um, I've seen those videos, and, you know, actually one of my professors uh, showed me that, showed up in my class that, a video of that uh, guy, you know, like uh, lighting paper on fire and Ball of newspaper put in on the sidewalk. My first instinct, though, those looked more like uh, magic tricks than they did any kind of superpower. Yeah. Because they... It, the, you don't know the conditions that those he did that under you know you don't know the materials he was using if he could do that under scientific conditions and I would believe it and you know I think that a lot of people think that's contradictory how one well, I man I could be talking about spiritual life and then saying well prove it under science mm-hmm. but there's an extent to the claims that religion can make you know now um, in the science of psychology I think certain religions especially Buddhism has a lot to offer but if you're when you're talking about chemistry or physics or that's not the realm of of religion and I don't think it needs to be you know Mm -hmm. I think that's from a a past time so I'm very skeptical of that I don't I don't think you could achieve powers like that through meditation and any meditation teacher who says that you could is probably lying
0: here are two pieces of that's my opinion oh yeah absolutely and Who does not have a right to their opinion? Mm -hmm. That would be a total breach of any discourse among peers. You Mm -hmm. have to be able to share your opinion. And you have to be able to respectfully disagree. So let me share with you two pieces of controversial proof of some of that footage. Absolutely. If you saw the quote-unquote pencil in the table, Mm -hmm. it was actually not a pencil. It was a chopstick Mm -hmm. that he put through a Formica table at a small... Restaurant in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. So they had a camera crew there. There was people sitting around the table. The table was round So when he did this the first push of the chopstick through the table went about halfway through mm-hmm. So everybody's like wow very impressive So then he's gonna hammer it the, west, the rest of the way home. Mind you, he's doing this with his hand I say hammer, but he's pushing with his hand mm-hmm. a chopstick through a solid formica table with like a laminate kind of coating on the top so as it's halfway going through and he's gonna push it the rest of the way the chopstick splinters and shards of it fly through the air. A piece of it stick into a female camera I crew saw, member's yeah, I forehead. That was on that She's video. She's bleeding. Yeah. So he's deeply embarrassed by this. He says he was shamed by his master who's no longer living but mm-hmm. still appears to him uh, as an astral projection. Mm-hmm. So that was a, piece of, a little controversial piece of proof of that. Still in the same video. Mm-hmm. But he also... Has shown his ability to conduct electricity into a light bulb. And they did a few demos with that, just holding a
1: light bulb by the metal, and you see the filament start mm-hmm. to glow. Well, as and far then, as that goes, I don't want to. I mean, I saw someone do that at the Bloomsburg Fair in a sideshow tent one time, though. You, you understand? Fair enough. What I'm yeah, fair enough. I mean, That's there just are so m- many. It, it just looked like magic tricks. If someone was actually had. Those powers, I think there would be more direct ways of displaying them. Right.
0: They hooked them up to a multimeter as well, mm-hmm. though, and they sh- they were able to show that there was a charge being conducted. One of the arguments interesting.
1: with because uh, that's all based on chi energy, mm-hmm. and um, depending on who you talk to, certain people say there is proof um, uh, of chi energy between you know certain the certain skin. Layers or something, Mm -hmm. the way the liquid moves on your... I don't know. I remember hearing about it when I was in uh, as an undergrad. But um, if Qi energy exists, what instrument would you use? That's one of the arguments. People say there's just not an instrument to argue it. So I I like to view Qi energy more as a a philosophical concept about um, balancing, about balance. Not as an actual... Um, physical force mm-hmm. that you can harness, like they do in you know Dragon Ball mm-hmm. Z or whatever, because mm-hmm. essentially that's what that guy is saying. That's the dream. But if you look at it more as a philosophical concept, as uh, you know, like in Taoism and everything, uh, it could it offers a lot as far as um, nutrition, balancing your body goes, mm-hmm. things like that, because certain foods do give you certain energy. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's a scientific fact. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an interesting way to frame. Uh, health and even fitness, chi energy could go in there. But like I said, I think it's more of a philosophical concept about balancing the inner and outer outer worlds than it is an actual, uh, you know, force, energy force.
0: Have you, though, heard of any of the Western scientists that studied chi energy? Uh, Westerners have... I have
1: not. I can't say I
0: have. Westerners have dubbed it bioenergy. Mm Mm-hmm and they equate it to strong well you look everything strong pulses of, energy, of static right? electricity so wilhelm reich is a western scientist who studied bioenergy or chi energy at lengths mm-hmm. as well and he did come to some uh, to some conclusive findings
1: mm-hmm. yeah, what Like I, was, I said i'm not discounting anything this is just yeah. my studies of it cuz i've studied You know East Asian philosophy pretty extensively, and you come across inevitably you come across the idea of chi energy, and uh, that's you know I just gave my opinion that Mm -hmm. as more of a philosophical concept I think, but you know and you see these things like that set the martial arts arts community Mm -hmm. all this crap with chi energy that set it back like yeah until MMA came around you know it's still still
0: wrought with so many so many bogus. Fugazi masters who yeah. claim that their chi
1: empowers them to stop any adversary. Yeah, see, so anything like, you know, East, Eastern philosophy is not immune from bullcrap no, the same as. Nothing is. As when the something charlatans be- that preach in Jesus' name, you know. When it's the something same thing.
0: becomes an institution, it is. Yeah, back to is, what you were saying be- before. Yep, it becomes susceptible to corruption. Mm-hmm. It's. Inevitable. Once there's profit to be made on it, once there is a following behind it, it is inevitably going to become corrupt to some degree. Mm -hmm. So to button that up, though, Costa Deneos, the guy that I read the two books by, the Greek, Mm -hmm. he did say that what occurs microcosmically occurs macrocosmically as well. Mm -hmm. So that is what I was saying is another common thread that I've seen globally. Mm People learning the world through themselves with enough introspection, with enough self-reflection, mm-hmm. with enough self-discovery. You're essentially mastering the world. Even uh, V from V for Vendetta quoted the uh, the Latin phrase... Um, vi, vari, vici, veniversum, something like that. Mm-hmm. Saying, I, while living... By the power of truth have mastered the universe because there is nothing more valuable really in the world than the truth and learning the truth individually because no one can really impart on you the truths of the world you have to know them for yourselves and because each individual's reality is different
1: you're not going to be able to take the truth from me. Mm-hmm. The gonna... truth is relative. Yes. That's why it's important to see reality. And so yes. The truth is, everyone has a different version of the truth, but reality is reality. There's no changing it. And that's the point of meditation. And that any good spiritual exercise will bring you closer to reality. I think it's important. And not, to... shouldn't be concerned with saying, I'm right. And the truth is saying, I'm right, you're wrong. That's not what spirituality should be concerned with. It right. should be about, as you say learning the universe through yourself because we're vessels of the cosmos, as they say. You know? I
0: totally agree. And I think that it's important to start small. Mm-hmm. And for uh, for a way to frame it in a more realistic way, to start locally. That doesn't just have to mean in your community. It can mean in your own household. So, yeah, right in your living room. Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> so in your patron, whatever. For, for an individual... To argue like the nature of reality, for an individual to argue what's universally true or false for all human beings is pretty foolish because who are you to say? Mm -hmm. Do you grasp the true nature of reality? I highly doubt it. Does anyone? I highly doubt it. We grasp our individual perception Mm -hmm. of the nature of reality. Some of us don't even have that. But... It's important to start small and start start locally I think. So the um
1: it's the only way to do it because if you try to do it, if you try to change your whole life at once your whole being at once you're going to be met with disappointment and you're you're going to fail and be That's completely it overwhelmed.
0: It, yeah. I've um I've come across some some cool principles like that for following this path of enlightenment and um one thing that I've learned about is the key to happiness. So this is powerful stuff. Take note, listeners at home, the key to happiness. So EJ, do you happen to know the key of happiness and the key to happiness? You give up what you are attached to. That, that is, that is That's good. That's my advice. <laughs> that is good. What I've found through my research to be the key to happiness is realistic expectations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The primary, That's a little more
1: grounded there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's grounded in less, reality. Uh, it's
0: local. It's random what I said. Yeah, it's local. <laughs> yeah. It really is simple. So, the most common cause and source of disappointment is unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm. So the key to happiness is is to have realistic expectations, and embracing disappointment. Yes,
1: in all things. I was just reading. Uh, I just started a book by a meditation teacher named Shogyam Trungpa. I hope I got that right, but it, he's he's a famous starter, uh, a founder of the Shambhala line of Buddhism, I believe, and um, he he was very instrumental in popular popularizing uh, Buddhism meditation in the West during the sixties and seventies, and uh, that's the chapter i just read was about embracing disappointment that you just need to accept it you know it's part of life absolutely you have all these expectations i think specifically he was talking about finding a teacher and that like when you find when you're searching for a spiritual teacher you have all these preconceptions about what they're going to be they're going to be these Mm -hmm. holy people and then you're going to be disappointed because nobody is you're expecting this perfect being they're not perfect beings they're just meditations yes. or spiritual teachers. Yes, you know, so guides. you have to exactly so you have to embrace disappointment because it's going to happen. So, with that, have you had any mentors
0: or guides in your
1: personal development and uh, along along your path? As far as spiritually, it's just uh, that's mostly just a solo thing because I like we were talking about. I have a Bad taste in my mouth for organized religion still from just mm. Catholicism. It's not to there are good things about Catholicism. I don't want to put down anyone's faith. I agree. But you know, Catholic school is, is a, difficult. <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult pill yeah. to swallow. But um, yeah, some of that stuff they try to teach you. But anyway, um, no mentor, no meditation. I uh, you know learned from well. I I was exposed to like Zen. Uh, meditation in a class I took, but the professor I had, I didn't agree with the way he taught, because he was almost like a Zen, like a Buddhist priest and suddenly, mm-hmm. on oh, my way is the right way and that's it, and A, you're not supposed to teach like that at a, a state school, you know, mm-hmm. and B, no, you're not like this, you know, you are not, don't push your you're beliefs not the beacon. on people, especially uh, impressionable undergrads like right. that, you know, but that was my first exposure to Zen meditation, and there's a book called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. Best book on meditation you could get. It's a very good introduction to it. I have been searching, but the closest Buddhist, uh, Zen Buddhist place around us is like 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And they meet on like Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. It's, ju- it's just, but that's a good thing about Buddhism is you don't necessarily need yeah. anything. You can meditate. It helps to have a teacher because you could uh, develop a lot of thoughts that might not be right. And you need someone who has been there, who's been experienced right. to guide you. So I am looking for a, a mentor, or guru, or just some. you know, that's what they say in the, in the East, a guru. That just means teacher, you know. Any
0: mentors or role models just in the realm of personal growth or development, generally speaking? Well, Any obviously role models like, or
1: mentors? Yeah, obviously, you know, my parents and my family, I'm very close to. Uh, personal development, you know, my, my dad is basically like my personal trainer. He's been... Uh, bodybuilding for forty years. Oh, that's so awesome! Ne- you know, never, uh, never got into like steroids or anything like that. So he's just te- teaching me, like, you know, he taught me the right way how to do it. How that's to very develop cool. Muscle, you know, the right way over, you know, not rush it and to uh, focus on technique and form. form. Uh, over weight and uh, for sure. how much you can how much you could lift. For sure. Mm-hmm. Has he dealt with any serious injuries throughout his lifetime? Uh, you know, knock on wood, not till he got uh, you know, he's like sixty now, so he doesn't lift as much because his elbows really got him, And he had a bad back for for a little while, but you know, as long as he looked after it and uh, you know, didn't do certain things, it's not bothering him anymore. So that is so cool. Yeah, if you do it right, you could. You could exercise and lift weights for... It. He's six, he still comes downstairs and bench bench presses with him. The fact you know what I'm that saying? your
0: like, dad is your strength coach. Yeah. What could be cooler than that?
1: Yeah, it is pretty cool.
0: I think it is very important to get some kind of partner, mm-hmm. some kind of coach, some kind of mentor. Look for, for an...
1: Uh, an- as we call them, old heads. Yeah. No gee, man. Yeah, Cause you need they've been you there. an old head around. The one who could still walk. Yeah. Not someone who is pumping themselves full of roids. Well, and you notice... squats for 30 years. You notice that I asked... Now they can't walk. You, you know? notice that I asked if he's dealt with any injuries. Yeah.
0: Because his lack of injuries, we could knock on wood again, but it might not be necessary because mm. that's indicative of his mindfulness, his technique. his proper technique yeah. and focus on form, mm-hmm. and his... Sound decision making and smart choices when it comes to strength and fitness. Yeah, that's really cool. So, w- where just do you good stand? To
1: have s- someone just telling you like the results aren't going to come fast. Like, absolutely, just keep at it. Like just absolutely, keep at it. And that's what you need because you think you're going to go and lift weights for a month and then be ripped. You're going <laughs> your, to have your, you're going to have your beach body. Yeah. yeah takes a, over a, at least a year just to get it takes years to get into good shape. I'm still not where I want to be. I've but you've had some you've forever. had some recent
0: success, right? Yeah.
1: I saw a recent uh, like before and after photo.
0: Mm-hmm. You had some serious transformation, man. Yeah. Is it all strength
1: training? Uh, no, yeah. no, no, it, no. It's that's the main thing is you have to keep it fun. You have to keep changing what you're doing because absolutely, you know, there's all kinds of. Uh, Studies that show you know you have to keep changing the workouts. Oh, you yeah, to for trick sure. your body yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, but the main thing is to keep it fun. So if you're just doing the same weight, lift, I don't, there's only so many different kinds of, of exercise you could do with three weights, right? And you're gonna get bored of that. So I add yoga in, I like to hike. Mm-hmm. I'm looking into you know, uh, again, climbing rope, did a little bit, bit of that over the summer, very cool. You know, the mace bells, just something I just try to you know keep it interesting The diversity is really important when it comes to fitness man yeah yoga and hiking were like are really uh great for your to add into your workout routine Yeah. You know? so i
0: just noticed um that you have a heavy bag mm-hmm. i want to take this opportunity on the show to invite you to take on something called the fight challenge with me what's that I donated a heavy bag to my local YMCA. Mm -hmm. I love having it there. It's awesome to train on the heavy bag. Yeah. And I see super benefit to it. What I want to do is establish a two minutes of absolute maximum effort on the heavy bag. I have never tried as hard as I possibly could at anything in my life before. I really don't think I have. Yeah. so this is an opportunity and because it's a heavy bag it's simulated fighting which is cool Yeah, it's not going to hit us back but if we you could still work on yeah. your
1: footwork and moving moving yeah. with the bag and but really it doesn't hit back but you could still work a lot of things with the heavy bag
0: really I want this fight challenge to be two minutes of really trying as hard as you can absolute maximum like you don't know if you can continue but mm-hmm. you're going to I think it's going to be a really cool really really beneficial thing mentally especially yeah. because from the time that you start to feel like you can't keep going take note of how long you continue past that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are you Well, injured? I guess
1: like putting all your weight into every punch you have just like giving you- it all you got
0: for 2 minutes. Yeah. All you got. You I mean you have to pace yourself because yeah. if you gas out in
1: the first 30 seconds you're, I mean, you're gonna be because what I do now with the heavy bag, I'll do two minutes on, and then a minute for like uh, hit training, you know, like almost a high interval training mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Two minutes on, and a minute off, and then the last round I do three minutes on and a minute off. So, I'll, I would definitely take that challenge. But awesome. you know, you got to pace it. I'm not absolutely
0: full force every no, time. No, but you want to give a sustained, yeah, high intensity effort for two minutes. Hit you're, the heavy you're bag, there. listeners.
1: It's the best workout. I mean, it it gives you more peace of mind and reduces more stress than any. I mean, I like I said, I'm a big proponent of meditation and yoga and all that. But go hit something, man. Yes. That'll relieve more stress yes. than anything. You'll be relieving stress, <laughs> and your, you'll your build heart confidence. will be pounding.
0: You will feel better. You yeah. are pushing around a 150 pound heavy bag or so. Yeah. There's strength elements involved. There's cardio elements involved. It will build some mental toughness. You can push
1: back your thresholds of. Yeah, I've been hitting Fatigue. the heavy bag. I had one up in my basement in high school for karate and stuff. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was great to hit. I conditioned my knuckles. They're huge. I broke my knuckle on that thing. Look at wow. that. That's <laughs> and there's blood all over it because it's, <laughs> it's a white one. Like that's, Just get a heavy bag. You won't regret it. Yeah. Don't break your knuckles on it. So, no, don't do that.
0: <laughs> stay tuned and keep your eye out for when I release this first fight challenge footage and then be ready to follow suit behind me. If you're down. I'm down, man. Okay, great. So, we, we expanded on spirituality pretty well, I would say. If there was any listeners not really ready for individual investigation of truth and individual spirituality,
1: I would say let that be. I would say just, and especially don't take it that seriously. Just go out and don't be afraid to explore. So, we talked about the
0: individual investigation of spiritual truths. Let's talk for a minute about the individual investigation of politics. You are a punk rock fan like myself, and I would say that my introduction to real political understanding might have been punk rock music, particularly the War on Errorism album by No Effects. What was your introduction to politics
1: uh well my dad was a union president and uh, his union went on strike when i was four years old so that was my introduction to politics clash struggle that's what it's all about that is interesting what what union was it that he was in steel united steel workers man i respect him even more now yeah, and they actually quote won that strike. You know, there's no winner in a strike. It's just yeah. not a good thing. You know, yeah. it's the last resort, but it's tough. But that's how I learned about politics. He used to have me. Uh, he was actually elected president after the strike uh, when they came back. But during you know before that and during the strike, he was very involved with the union, and uh, they used to do like corporate what's called corporate campaigning, which is writing letters to your congressman and all kinds of things like that. So you get a bunch of people to uh are not co- it, you know and are uh you know voting with your dollar but the main thing was to write your congressman and uh, I remember you know f- you help, f- helping them find addresses and all that stuff mm-hmm. and just being involved with the uh, with the process so it's from a very early age i've always been involved with politics in one one way or the other' I That's, informed it's
0: wild he had to assume that role of union president and was he also still working as a as a steel worker?
1: Yeah, well during the strike you had to take different jobs, obviously, yeah. you know, but uh yeah, it was actually a foam company, but it was organized under the steel workers. Okay. You know how that works. Yeah. But yeah, it was. But, but shit's shit's real. That's no joke, you know. Absolutely. When we talk about the power of
0: words though, one one of the most misconstrued words and one of the most misleading definitions, I bet in the modern lexicon of English would be politics, because mm-hmm. people, a lot of people our age, a lot of my peers, a lot of people in the generations uh, trailing behind us, the younger generations, would say they want nothing to do with politics, politics are stupid. You can't escape it, though. It's, it's a reality of life, and that's what people don't understand, because they're caught up in the definition. They think politics means like political news and partisanship. That's wrong. I would I would encourage listeners right now to understand that politics are in all things. So, in our species, we live in a hierarchical hierarchical society. So politics are in our lives, whether or not we whether or not we acknowledge them.
1: Absolutely. Um. You know, the you either have to be informed and be involved, or you know just. Except what happens to you, you know, um, as many faults as the United States government has, it's still a government for the people and by the people, theoretically, mm-hmm. and the reason it's not that is because people don't exercise their mm-hmm. rights, their yes. basic rights, and they don't want to stay informed. Apathy has as much to do with the current state of um, Washington, D.C., as does, um... The corruption. Corruption. You know? Apathy is Apathy. just yeah, as yeah, exactly. guilty. Exactly. It's just as
0: big a contributing factor. Yeah. But if you think that you can simply abstain from politics, you're wrong because no, you're they don't just govern our society, they govern every interaction
1: that we have on an individual level too. And politics exists in nature. I think maybe that's the, um... We're at a point now where the one of the great debates of our age is what is the, the um limit to that is what um facets of our lives do we want politics Mm -hmm. to go into i think you're really seeing uh an exploration of that and that's part of the uh political upheaval we're seeing Mm -hmm. uh right now is because we're um trying to uh wrestle with freedom and uh with personal freedom personal sovereignty Mm -hmm. and um you know really dealing with how to structure a modern government to respect that to respect absolutely. Your personal absolutely
0: absolutely there are things that we choose to entrust within other people as their responsibility even though they pertain. these matters pertain to our lives and then there's things that we do not entrust in local or big government um that doesn't mean we, – we can, that, that can't be avoided. In nature, it's the same thing. There's responsibilities entrusted into leaders even in social groups of animals. Like elephant herds have a matriarch. That matriarch is responsible for remembering migratory routes through the desert to find water. The rest of the herd can, true, can choose to trust and follow her or to not, but they may or may not survive. And if none of them survive, it's her fault, but who's really going to be there to point fingers and place blame? You can choose to entrust responsibilities in others, or you can choose to be your own leader and govern whatever issue or matter it is, piece of policy in your life for yourself
1: I think that's what we're trying to find is um, we're obviously all members of a community right but you know the kind of the whole basis of the United States Constitution is individual liberties and individual freedoms and um, you know a lot of people are definitely going to disagree with me on this and we have a pretty on one hand we have a pretty um, wonderful and unique political system. I was just reading um, an article about how if Donald Trump came to power in any other country almost, you know, if without the kind of checks and balances and protections that the United States has, by now he would have been a, a totalitarian dictator mm-hmm. if, say, in a, in a less developed country without the uh, strict constitutional uh, limits to uh, executive power... And things like that are absolutely genius that our founding fathers uh, wrote out and thought out in our Constitution. But there's things that just don't work because they were written 250 years ago. Right. Now, there's just things that need updating. So I think we're at a crossroads now. We have to figure out how to go forward into the future. Because there's things that work, obviously, that are timeless and are going to continue to work, that keep in check um, the checks and balances and all that shit is just absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. in the United States government. But if we want to go forward, we have to update our uh, system or uh, update the Constitution a little bit. I think it's I think it's time for some revision and some update
0: as well, because the the ideas of partisanship alone are becoming antiquated. The idea that there are just two, two ways of looking at and only two Come ways on. of framing our entire national government and its policies is far-fetched. That's but a pretty that's wild what, idea. That's
1: the entire strategy that our current president rode to power on—is us versus them. Yeah, it's playing black and, together, and white. Yeah,
0: partisanship I think is really unhealthy. Yeah. In what it's developed into. Yeah. Because we allow our biases our cognitive biases, our predispositions for pathways of thought to really influence not just our own decisions, but the entire country's decisions. People with a strong confirmation bias regarding their conservatism or regarding their, say, old-fashioned political... That exists views. on both
1: sides, so there's, there's scary shit going on. Absolutely, I'm not. I mean, don't get me wrong. The right, the far right, right now is you can't even compare it to the far left. One is fighting Nazis, the other one is Nazis. Mm-hmm. So that's the they're not the same. But as far as partisanship goes, um, both sides allow themselves to be blinded mm-hmm. to a certain extent by it.
0: You know, but but who benefits from convening? In a, in a group or in a panel for everyone to discuss a shared view amongst themselves what will come of people discussing a view that they all have this, the same standpoint on people prefer to listen to the views of others when they have that view in common mm-hmm, so exactly. that that's that confirmation bias I'm yeah. talking about people yeah, who exactly. really only want to listen to but someone that, that they already
1: agree with that's existent. That's not just unique to one philosophy or p- political stance. That's unique to every everyone. Just wants to be. I just it wants to be agreed with. Her, yeah, yeah. I just think understanding it is the first step. Yeah, realizing exactly. that we are just yeah. dis-
0: that we are predisposed to appreciate people that agree with us mm-hmm. more. Yeah, is the first step
1: because you need to then see. what that goes back to what we're. Uh, we were talking about before is you have to be aware of that, and uh, you have to question even yeah. yourself and your own biases. Mm-hmm. And most people don't want to welcome debate because that—that's how you expand your mind. You find out what's right and what's right. It's not about what lapses there. One are. person being right or mm-hmm. wrong. It's just about principles and yeah, ideas it's being that, right. It's furthering an idea or yeah. developing an idea further. That's the real benefit of critical thinking and debate. It's not just figuring out who's right or wrong. It's to about progress. Isn't it cool how it started
0: for me with Franco and american mm-hmm. and the War on Errorism album by No Effects? They mentioned Howard Zinn in that song, Franco and american And it's a, dec- a decade or more later now that I have finally read my first piece of literature by Howard Zinn. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe how ahead of their time the no effects writing and writers were.
1: Yes. Yeah. How about The Idiots Are Taken Over? Yeah. That's the best song for that album, man. The, that, yeah. it's, the Idiots Are Taken Over is That really hits powerful. it on the head. You know? ten. Not, that was more than 10 years ago. It was like 15 years ago they put out that album. If any of you listeners don't remember, George W. Bush. Terrible. Everyone, He's like, he has this weird image now. Everyone likes George Bush now. Do people forget? Like, what piece a piece of shit he
0: was, man. People, people appreciate nostalgia more than they appreciate.
1: I mean, the by reality. conservative estimates, there was half a million dead Iraqis because of his lies. That's a conservative estimate, mm-hmm. and that goes all the way up to like a million. What you about know? all the Americans? Exact. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying civilian casualties mm-hmm. in Iraq are. He lied to the entire country. He was not a good and now there's this weird nostalgia. Just cause Trump is worse than Bush mm. doesn't mean Bush was good. Yeah. You know? And yeah. he wasn't he's not that much worse than Bush, really. If you look at the policies, they're really not that much different. No one is looking at policies, <laughs> really. Yeah. People
0: in the viewing of someone's political history. Mm-hmm a president's political trajectory and history they're viewing cliff notes they're yeah. they're remembering high points and low points they right. will not remember policy mm-hmm. and we should keep
1: that in mind now
0: maybe we should like start Ronald to reframe Reagan that
1: like Reagan has this legacy as cutting ta- he cut taxes once or twice but then he raised them more he raised taxes more than he lowered them in his from what i understand you know of course i may be wrong but he has this legacy, as this great conservative conservative crusader. Ronald Reagan's ideals would be out in left field compared to the modern Republican Party, mm-hmm. you know? It's just nuts. It's nuts that... I can't believe we're at this point. I mean, I could believe it because anyone who was paying attention could see it coming. And know? we have all... As far all... as Barack Obama goes, he was, a, he was an all-right president, but he didn't do enough to prevent what we're seeing right now. He didn't take a strong enough stance. There... Uh, in 2008, the entire economy collapsed because of the actions that individuals took. There could have been people prosecuted mm-hmm. for the housing bubble. There were executives at these uh, uh, mortgage firms who are pushing these toxic mm-hmm. um, mortgages. And they knew it was going to collapse. They knew it was bad. They And they knew it was basically illegal. But there was no uh, criminal prosecution of anyone after the 2008 uh, financial collapse and that's still I think that was a huge missed opportunity because that would have reestablished the rule of law in this country and shown that corporations don't rule everything and instead what did we do? We gave them 700 billion now that was, this was before Obama came we gave them 700 million dollars almost a billion dollars just, just to bail them out. Mm-hmm. Where was the bailout for the common people? You know but I know that's what a lot of people thought they were going to get with Obama but they didn't he didn't Take them to task. George Bush, Dick Cheney, walked away free. I couldn't believe it. any other country, they would have been chased out with pitchforks and torches. I think he really missed the ball. There was a lot of good, Barack Obama did, but overall, it's just a problem with the Democratic Party. They don't go far enough. They, they're spineless, if I may say with myself. I know that's strong <laughs> words, but come on. They're afraid to take on any real issues. They, uh, they act like they're the party of the working man, but then they're in the same the same corporations that are in the pocket of the Republican Party or in the pocket of the Democrats. They just paint it with this happy rainbow picture that anyone could become part of this this corporate monstrosity. Instead of as opposed to the, de, the Republicans who say, "Oh no, this corporate monstrosity is only for us. I don't want to join the corporate monstrosity. I want a party that's going to take take it on head on." How is it? How
0: is it still? Legally justifiable that there is not a third
1: party in, I mean, it's in our state. It's legal. It's just no one. People only pay attention during election time. How do we only have two choices? Because people only start paying attention before there's an election. Uh, a, a real third party takes years and years to build. It. It's organizing. Mm-hmm. It's about organizing. And that doesn't come overnight. You know, it's a movement. Yeah. It requires a movement, not a party. No, the what, party's not going to save us. It's going to take a right. uh, a shift in, conscious, in national consciousness and education. But I think the
0: veiled ideals and principles have remained veiled by this partisanship duality, this one against the other thing that's gone on for a century yeah, or well, more now. It's, the fact that every preconception and every bad idea within the left or the right is protected by millions of people believing in those yeah. main tenets of what it means to be
1: liberal or what it means You're to be conservative. You're starting to see that fall apart though. Yes, there's, I'm glad. I mean, the, I'm glad to see it be exposed for what it is. There's mass disillusionment with both parties now. You can't, I'm like,
0: not necessarily seeing it fall apart yet, but I'm seeing it start to be exposed for what it is now. I see a lot of, I see a lot of biases prevailing, a lot of confirmation bias prevailing within those two parties. But people who choose to take us uh, an objective look at the two-party system and the
1: now, don't get track wrong. record of these two parties in their policies. Democrats and Republicans are almost like on different planets. You know, mm. Democrats they might be. Uh, uh, this is what I want to clarify. Court, I mean, Democrats they might be uh, corporate pawns, you know, I mean, that's, most politicians are bought and paid for. There's a few exceptions, you know, you have your Bernie Sanders, your, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warrens, even on the other side, you have people like Ron Paul who are just like, you know, Mm -hmm. they're principled people, but by it, for the most part, most politicians are bought and paid for. That's, there's really no denying that, you know, but the Democrats' policies are not great—but you look at compared to the a Republicans' policies to cut Medicare, to cut all this, uh, this all the social safety nets, to not even explore universal health care—it's just—it's nuts. They're not on different on the planets. Table. So I'm gonna—I'm obviously gonna vote for a Democrat, but they don't represent my views. They just the closest thing mm-hmm. that represents my mm-hmm. views. So so this. The problem is the money and politics is who controls Absolutely. the politicians and it's so it's almost a cliche at this point yeah. everyone knows what's wrong there's
0: there's there's no everyone could
1: see it but, no hiding it yeah there's a friggin' billionaire as our president yeah it was billionaires who got us into this problem that we're in now
0: mm-hmm. did you see the big short no the movie's really cool you should see it'm mm-hmm. surprised you haven't um you obviously have a full understanding of the Incident already, so Mm -hmm. it might not be that exciting for you to watch, but it was cool to see it, uh, laid out, framed out like that. The big short, very cool movie, true story about that 2008, uh, economic crisis that, that really severe housing market bubble. Mm -hmm. Very cool to watch. Um, I wanted to tell you about Dr. Jordan B. B. Peterson, Mm -hmm. clinical psychologist and psychology professor from, uh, University of Toronto. I've listened to some of his lectures, some of his uh, podcasts, and he has been trying to illuminate the problems with political correctness and postmodernism. So I'm sure you've seen the huge influx of these young demonstrators and protesters in... North America, like mm-hmm. not just our country, that are out um, demonstrating for a cause unbeknownst to them. People are protesting things they don't even understand. People our age and people in the middle of their academic journey, people... Um, who call themselves educators are influencing a lot of this, and what's happening is people are getting to a degree where they will not trust anything
1: government related anymore. And you can't blame people. They though. see they, you they can't they, blame people for not trusting the government though. They,
0: they see a few. They see a few anti uh, politician or anti political regime demonstrations of any category and they get behind it just because they are protesting. So the, the actual views that they have never get voiced. Mm-hmm. The opposing view never gets explained to them. People are just blindly protesting at this point. And what he's saying is that we need to start on a local level and we need to start small. So for an individual like you or me to go out and protest the entire United States political regime Mm -hmm. and the entire United States government would be a farce because do we really understand the inner workings of it? You don't need to to have a stance on it, but you need to start small and you need to let momentum build behind the right avenues of... Activism, the Mm -hmm. right avenues of protest. It's
1: a matter of organization of organizing. Yes, that's the that's the um, um, that's been the problem for centuries, or for over a century now. As far as you know, as the modern political landscape unfolded over the past century, has been organizing people to act in their uh, own best interest.
0: But what we're seeing is blame. We're we're seeing things being classic
1: divide and conquer. Fingers I mean,
0: being pointed, blame being placed on whatever group, the left or the right, and that just continues. There's no... Now, my
1: my view on it, I view a lot of politics through, um, uh, I view it almost through a, you know, this is gonna, some people might not agree, almost through a Marxist, uh, uh scope, through a Marxist lens. And that basically says that, in reality, there isn't, um, uh, Democrats and Republicans there's only basically the rich and the poor. Mm-hmm. There's people who control everything. There's the masters and then there's the workers. Mm-hmm. There's the proletariat and the bourgeoisie as Marx put it. Mm-hmm. And until and the the proletariat's vastly it's the same thing that the 1% versus the 99%. The 99% is the proletariat. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of um of fostering class consciousness to make people see, hey, we're all in this together. We're all one. Our power together is um, a lot more powerful than the people with the, the money, who are v- relatively very few compared to the many. But it's been a problem throughout history how to, how to reconcile that. And really, Marx is one of the only people who really came forward and, and gave us a solution to this, and that was to overthrow the bourgeoisie um, but I think the important thing for Marx is to really view your, to really examine who are the masters, who is in control of things, and why, and who is who's really producing. It's it's not the people with the money that are producing things. It's you can be workers. led on a wild goose chase trying to find where the, the power really who, is. It's the people who own the means of production. You know, we are the real producers. Exactly, the corporations. Uh, the super wealthy they don't produce anything everything that has ever been produced has been produced by the hands and the blood and the sweat of tears of workers and Karl Marx is right about that Mm -hmm. Um, it's just a matter of getting people to realize that Mm -hmm. because there's been a a, a conceited effort to brainwash people in favor of capitalism over the past hundred years capitalism is the end all be all basically for for, uh, our political structure for, um, for everything you know, that's if if someone talks against capitalism, their career is basically done. You know, it's it's taboo and to I'm talk not, about
0: your social class.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's and tabooed. I'm not, I'm not a, a communist or anything. I consider right. myself, you know, a democratic socialist. You know, I believe that the um resources of the world should be shared among the people, and right. that the basic necessities of life should be provided for everyone because we have enough resources to do that. It, but, um, you know, to get rid of all, to have like a Soviet-style government, that obviously doesn't work, mm-hmm. but it's up to us to find a new way to do it, to right. find a way that has never been done before. I think it starts with, um, like you said, getting over this divide between two main ideologies. There's really just, there's the working people and then there's the people who own everything. Placing blame, <laughs> placing blame, though, is clearly oh, an unhealthy blame, pathway. Though. There's people to blame, though, may we're be. just pl- placing the blame on the wrong people. It seems
0: there is people to blame. I
1: mean, it's obvious there's people to blame. It's not liberals or conservatives or Mexicans or whatever the fuck people are blaming nowadays. It's,
0: How it's healthy? the ones who are in control. How healthy has it been, though, to focus on blame? I think what could be more constructive and more beneficial is to focus on solutions. Taking responsibility and assuming
1: they, legitimate
0: accountability. They so should, starting small, first of all.
1: Hillary Clinton tried that and she got beat. Well, I mean, she won by three million votes, but she got beat mm-hmm. in the election, she got you know? Beat out, yeah. That was I mean, I trust me, I mean I think Hillary Clinton was a terrible choice to run. She's the most unpopular politician of the past thirty years and they decided to run her in you know, probably the most important race of our lifetime that we're going to see in our lifetimes. You know, stuff like this doesn't happen too often that we're witnessing. But she would talk about policies and, you know, during the debates and Trump would just throw blame. And, you know, I understand what's going on with Trump is that we're so used to to these fake politicians that will just say whatever they need to get elected. And then this guy comes and he looks... He looks like he has authenticity, mm-hmm. and that he is an outsider. But he's—he's he's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. That's the same people who are writing basically all the laws in this country. He's it's, right back with his buddies. Yeah, he's not an outsider. He has either it's Hillary Clinton for that matter. But at least she was like, "Well, yes, we have these problems in our country, and here's my idea to fix them." They well, might not be what you agree with, but at least she had some kind of friggin' idea. Well, one thing I could say about. Trump is it seems like he
0: has followed the model of starting small. I mean, in his own scope of understanding, so I mean, you could say he didn't really start off small because he started with the quote-unquote small loan of a million dollars from his father. Um, he didn't try and do it all at once though, but, that's what you're saying. Right. Would you say that he has had political influence
1: oh, he in, might be in our most,
0: country since before He might
1: be the most Vince. influential politician of our lifetime.
0: But before not his good, presidency, Not right? for before, good. Even even before his presidency, I'm saying though, right? He was politi- He had political influence, just as he was like a just as a he was
1: like a, a proponent of like the birther uh, conspiracies and stuff like that. He was a, I anyone
0: anyone who generates billions has political influence. They have
1: cultural uh, uh, capital.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The so, real workers are the capital. Yeah. The real producers are the capital. So if you're talking about capitalism, you can't really most people you can't really throw dirt on it.
1: Most because people you're don't realize it. that they're not getting paid um, an equal amount compared to the amount of work they put out. Like they're not getting paid enough for the, they're not getting paid enough capital for their labor. You know the you look at the profit of that you look at what the cr- company profits off your labor. And what they pay you, it's it's very disproportional, you know, disproportionate. Um, in reality, the worker should keep everything he he or she produces in ways of, um, or not everything, but should keep more. You know, some things, obviously, if you have a company, you have to have some kind of profit. But that's, what I think, what we have to re-examine is the profit, Absolutely. you know, is do we need to keep running a system based on profit. i do not It's not sustainable. It, capitalism's based on the idea that an economy could grow infinitely and on a planet of finite resources, that just doesn't work it's because possible. we're going to run out of resources. Yeah. So you can't keep continuing to grow. You have to structure a society in a way that's sustainable but still um, is sensitive to... Uh, not sensitive, but still protects individual sovereignty you can't just be sensitive you know you need that or else you end up with a Stalinist regime and I besides a few very radical leftists nowadays I don't think anyone really wants that you know Right? The, as they're called tankies in the in the leftist community uh, Stalinists nowadays yes there are people who still believe in in the uh, ideology of Joseph Stalin which is just as terrifying to me yeah, almost as terrifying as neo-Nazis not yeah. quite but you know Joseph Stalin set back the workers' movement indefinitely, you know? Mm-hmm. He ruined... Con- communism was supposed to be the workers' way to freedom, and Soviet communism kind of just um, crushed that, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Because there are different strains of it, and once you start learning, you see that there is a struggle between the democratic um, strain of socialism and the totalitarian side of socialism. Right. So it's a you know microcosm of... Everything else that's going on there within ideologies, there's struggles. It's just maybe it's just human nature to struggle against each other. I don't know, maybe harmony is just not achievable.
0: This is a good time for me to ask Do you have personal ambitions for local government?
1: Uh, eventually, I would like to, you know, just be involved with uh, the community, like I said, on a local level. I think that's what we need to focus more.
0: Absolutely, that's the right place to start. For we need anything. to start
1: empowering local communities, rather than making them rely on federal government, mm-hmm. or big government, or anything like that. But that's, you know, that's all. If you high in the sky for right now, if you and I mean anyone, not just you, have
0: strong inclination to voice your opinion in the forum of politics and the exchange of political ideas is important to you. Mm -hmm. It's it's crucial that you pursue that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You will be filling a void that is long-standing for genuine politicians Mm -hmm. because the word politician has become so steeped in negative connotation now that you can hardly even say it and attach someone's name to it without it sounding like an insult. But there is a long standing void for good reason for though. genuine politicians. Yeah, for good reason, yes. But I
1: would absolutely. And the, really, there's no big solution. It's what we were talking about earlier about individual development that is a solution until people. You can't change a society. Through um, laws and through governing, right, it has to be a, a personal right um, change. A right, personal. Revolution. What occurs microcosmically also yeah. occurs macrocosmically. So, so if you if, have a bunch, if you have a country full of scheming, greedy, and self-obsessed assholes, then that's what your government is, and you elect your government, it's going to reflect you. It's just reality. Conversely, yes, if you have an individual that is
0: genuine and has the right intentions in their individual endeavors, then that would mean that their political pursuits would be genuine. It would mean that a whole collective of people like that, of like-minded people that are genuine, would have a collective governing body that is also genuine and has the right views and the right incentives. It's, it's just extrapolated... To a larger
1: ratio. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it, any, is it any surprise that a country obsessed with reality stars and nonsense like that elects a reality star to the, to the presidency? It doesn't seem like a friggin' coincidence to me. Pure, pure <laughs> sensationalism that people are
0: lapping up and thriving yeah. on. If you watch the news, if you listen to the radio, if you've ever heard the Rush Limbaugh program... On the radio. Oh my! Is he still on? It is on? pure.
1: Yes, he is. It's oh my pure, God. pure. He seems almost mild by today's standards. So that's a, that's scary though. Pure Rush sensationalism. Rush Limbaugh used to be the like furthest right wing nut job there was. He was, was fringe, like, right? Now he's a staple. Now he's he's like a moderate almost, yeah. or like Bill O'Reilly before you know his whatever before he got fired and shit. He was like, he was considered like the most conservative guy out there. And then over the past like 10 years, it's just like, he looks normal. He looks almost, which he's not. He's, you know, it's very destructive ideologies these people have, but they're made, they're normalized and they're made to look moderate at this point because of what the Republican Party has become. It's become so extreme.
0: I look forward to witnessing and supporting any and all political endeavors That you choose to undertake. Thank you. Hope you know that. You got my support already. In whatever it might be. Yeah, well, we'll see. Do you have a favorite piece of literature or just favorite read, generally speaking, that you think made a deep impression on your development?
1: Probably On the Road by Jack Kerouac. Had more influence. I know that influenced a lot of people, but it's such a such an extraordinary book, and not just the book. His his writing style is it um it just embodies everything good about America. I have never read his work, so I'm gonna check out mm. on the road. I on the road is one. a good place to start. Dharma Bums is good. My favorite book by him is Dr. Sachs and that's a very it's a, one of the most difficult books like novels I've probably ever read it's just very heady and it's all stream of consciousness but it's really Jack Kerouac at his most brilliant because it kind of gets away from the uh social commentary that uh is kind of in the background of on the road you know he he claims that that's not what it's about that it's about you know find freedom or whatnot but it's Basically, a big, uh, a lot of social commentary. And, uh, you know, in Dr. Sachs, it's almost a purely philosophical novel. It's really, really great. You should check it out. I have found that I can learn
0: tremendously from fiction of a good author, just as well as I tend to learn from nonfiction. Mm, yeah. There's lessons to be derived from
1: fiction as well. I haven't been really reading a lot of fiction lately. I, I was never actually a huge fan of fiction. I like, uh, like I said, I love Jack Kerouac. That whole, I love the whole Beat Generation. Um, I really like Stephen King. You know, I know that's not high literature, but mm-hmm. as, far, that's, as far as fiction, mm-hmm. and you know, the classic, Ernest Hemingway, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I'm more into, uh, I've always been more into poetry uh, as far as my literary tastes go. I just get a lot more out of it.
0: I want to take this time to give you and the listeners a few recommendations here. You said you're interested in all different types of fitness and I I think Onnit, Onnit Fitness O-N-N-I-T mm-hmm. is a brand that you would find yourself at home starting to research and check out some of their products because mm-hmm. they do fitness gear like the kettlebells, like maces. They also do Naturally derived herbal fitness supplementation, and they focus on a lot of exercise science, and they have um, an on it academy which um, has like pro coaches teaching mm-hmm. rudimentary movements and functional fitness broken down so that you can keep your focus on the form and the technique. Mm-hmm. On it's very cool. Something Definitely to check, check out. out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, what I've been drinking throughout this podcast—it's actually a psychoactive type of tea Ooh. called yerba mate Ooh. from South America. Very cool. It—I honestly feel like it gives a serious cognitive boost. It is caffeinated, but very different than coffee. I would say. I like to drink Kayari Mate. This company based in Chile. They don't grow or process anything here in the U.S. They're completely South American.
1: Yeah, it's a whole other podcast there. Yeah, very cool (laughs) stuff.
0: Very cool Um, enhancements I think you get just from drinking a cup of tea. So I also want to suggest to you the Jocko podcast. Jocko Willink, a Navy SEAL turned business consultant. Um, Recently made the cover of Business Magazine, I believe. A strong proponent of self-discipline. He put out what he calls a field manual. I have it right here. It's called Discipline Equals Freedom. Very cool stuff. He has, without realizing, aligned himself with the principles of Bushido, and the samurai almost iconically samurai self-discipline and commitment to one's path and and developing oneself in the most suitable way to follow the path perfectly and self-mastery the ever important endeavor of self-mastery so that's something i want you to uh Hopefully, commit to your memory, Jocko podcast. him out, will. especially his um, his expanding on Musashi.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, do you um,
1: do you have anything you want to share with the listeners? Any recommendations here? Uh, I mentioned it earlier, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Shinryo Suzuki. Uh, that's a very good introduction to Buddhism in general and meditation specifically. Uh, follow that if you're interested in meditating. There's also a lot of good resources on YouTube. Also for you know, just take up meditation or yoga. I would definitely recommend it. Um, read the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx. Whether you agree or disagree with it, I don't know, it doesn't matter. It's very important work. Uh, the Conquest of Bread, Peter Kropotkin, another good leftist uh, political uh, book work. But just read widely, read from all sides, and just as much as you can. So I could recommend everything, but I could go home and read something tonight that, um, you know, maybe from a libertarian writer who will completely change the way I think about things. So just read as much as you can, and uh, keep an open mind, but not so open that your brain falls out, as Carl Sagan says. That's awesome. I
0: am adding all those to my reading list. For sure. Yes. Thank you very much. So, we didn't touch on it at all throughout our conversation, but you are a commentator for a local amateur wrestling league.
1: Not professional
0: wrestling. They are getting
1: paid for it. They're not wrestling. It is professional. Yes. yes. Okay. It's just not on the same level as, uh, not the same, it's just a different, it's like uh, going to see, you know, the wilkes Scranton Rail Riders as opposed to uh, the Yankees. Yeah, you know, it's kind of the step before the uh, WWE. This so, is, yeah,
0: you are you are required to keep an electrifying level of voice entertainment, probably in being a commentator. You are, in a sense, illustrating.
1: You're telling the story. Yeah, you're illustrating a lot of it. Mm-hmm. That is awesome, and you have to know into... to. Uh have heightened expressions, want to bring it down, want to talk about something else, you know, when there's a lull in the match, it's there's an art behind it. Everything about pro wrestling, there's an art behind it. Even the wrestling itself, it's it's theater, you know, that's what people don't realize. I was it's, an
0: absolute fan as a kid. Yeah. I learned how to do the worm from watching Scotty Too Hotty. Oh, yeah, I've met Scotty Too Hotty. Wow, that's wild. I matches for him. So, you have, to a degree... A character that you have to oh, con- yeah. convey in your commentating. Oh yeah. Can you give Can you give the listeners a little bit of that now? Can you Can you shout out the last Mohican podcast with that and uh, usher us out,
1: ladies and gentlemen? You have been listening to the last Mohican podcast with your host Steve Levine. I'm E. Julius Kuiper. Come out to PPW, We the People, January nineteenth. All the best pro wrestling action right here in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, only at St. Joseph's Gymnasium. Come back next week. You won't regret it. Over and out. I'll meet Julius Kuiper. I said that already. I'll see you later. <laughs>